morning. We're really glad you're here with us today. I'm Erin Knight, Director of Children and Family Ministries here at Memorial. And in Joe's absence, I have just a few announcements to share with you all. First of all, we practice radical hospitality here. Uh, in that uh, category, please remember to park as far away as possible, was Joe's note to me. Park as far away as possible to leave spaces for those who are visiting, those who need a closer spot um, on Sunday morning. So this lot across the street is the ideal place if, if you are able to walk that far. Um, do check your emails on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We've come up with a system and a pattern for how we're going to communicate with you. So every Tuesday and Thursday, you should expect an email from us through constant contact. Now, because we're using that service that lets us email so many people, which um, you can't do from one email address, um, we will... Um, sometimes have problems with it going to your spam folder or your promotions folder if you use Gmail. So do look for it. You can uh, ask us if you're not receiving it. We'll make sure you get it. It is one of our primary ways to communicate with you now, and we want to make sure everybody hears these important announcements. Uh, we also practice intentional faith development here at Memorial. Uh, programming resumes tonight. Uh, we had a week off last week for Labor Day, but at 5 o'clock, children and youth will begin. Uh, 5.15, the new women's Bibles study will be in the bridal suite, and at 545, there will be class in the social hall led by Pastor Joe. Um, that's all the announcements for this morning. Um, you will all be blessed with a message from Reverend Dennis Lee, who is standing in for Joe. Uh, thank you all. Enjoy the rest of the service.
let us recite or read what we believe by using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, then buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sat at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From this he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Our first reading this morning is found in Luke 15, verses 1 through 10. And in your pew Bibles, this will be on pages 1623 and 1624. There are two parables. The first is the parable of the lost sheep. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. The second, the parable of the lost coin. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and she says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
now go to God in prayer. Almighty God, you are indeed majestic. We come together to worship and to praise you. Only you are righteous. You are the source of all that is good and true and beautiful. Accept our thanksgiving for your saving love. Thank you for life and for all our blessings, both material and spiritual. You've taught us in Jesus to bear one another's burdens, so we pray today for those who are going through difficult times. We pray for the poor and the sick, the depressed and the anxious. We pray for those who are unemployed or underemployed. We remember and pray for those who are in danger from the fury of the elements of nature or in danger from violence and warfare. Heal or protect or encourage all according to their need. We pray for those who are grieving because of some loss, whatever that loss may be. And for them, we ask for the divine comfort of your Holy Spirit. We pray also for ourselves. Free us from any burdens that we have today. Use us as your ambassadors in the week ahead. Show us the right thing to do at work or at home or at school or in the community. So help us to be a faithful witness to the good news of your love. We make this prayer in the name of Christ our Lord, who taught the disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and power and the glory. Amen. Amen. Out of gratitude to God, let's now receive our tithes and offerings.
Please be seated. For the scripture reading, I want to actually start back at verse 25 rather than 28 here in Acts chapter 16. So I'll be reading verses 25 through 34. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him, and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately, he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. The words I want to emphasize are in verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The title of the sermon today is a question. What's on your inscription rock? I acknowledge that's a rather odd um, question. Actually, I should have made it a little bit longer and a little more specific. What um, I really want to ask is what names are on your inscription rock? That may be just as odd, but by the end of the sermon, I, I hope and think that you will have some answers to that question. You've probably seen in the media that the National Park Service turned 100 years old a couple of weeks ago on August the 25th. This year's centennial has been widely publicized and celebrated. There are a number of people I know and probably you know too who took trips um, this summer or this year to some of the parks especially the ones out west. There is one park in particular that is at the center of today's sermon. It's the El Moro National Park in New Mexico. I first learned about El Moro 40 years ago. I learned it from L.D. Johnson, who at the time was the chaplain at Furman University. I got to know him there by attending Furman uh, pastor schools during the week of the 4th of July, one of the best continuing education events for pastors uh, within hundreds of miles. And some of you probably uh, know of or know L.D. knew him personally. Back then, L.D. wrote a column each week for the Sunday edition of the area newspaper. At the time, it was called the Greenville News Piedmont. Today, I'm taking an idea from one of his columns and adapting it in a way that I pray will speak to you in some way. L.D. wrote in 
his new, newspaper column about inscription rock. Inscription rock is a large surface on a rock formation called El Moro. The same El Moro that I just mentioned earlier that's now a national park. At this location in the mountainous rocky hills of western New Mexico and at this inscription rock at El Moro there is a pass a way to get through those hills thereby you can get into Colorado and Wyoming and Utah and the Northwest. Early on Native Americans etched drawings on the rock. By the 1500s Spaniards who were exploring the southwest and were using that pass made their mark and later came prospectors, trappers, soldiers of fortune and they would cut into the wall of inscription rock their name, the date, and an old Spanish expression Paso por aquí, which translated means I passed through here. And though they may never have been heard of again, those individuals on such and such a date had passed through there, leaving their mark on the wall. L.D. noted in his column that in a sense, each one of us has his or her own inscription rock. On it are inscribed the names and perhaps the dates of people who have passed through our lives, who have made a mark in our lives. L.D. wrote that it's inspiring to think about the names of the people who have had an impact on us. And I agree. Therefore, I'm going to ask you to do something that you may not have heard from a pulpit. While I'm speaking for the next few minutes, I'm going to encourage you to let your mind wander. I know that's a strange request, and I doubt that I'll ever suggest it again. And by all means, don't do it when Joe returns next week. Okay. Um, I'd hate for him to think I set a bad example. But today, it's okay. I'm going to share with you some of the names and information on my rock. And naturally, it's going to be personal. But I'm doing it in the hope that it will spur you to think about the names on your rock. So let's get started. I'll begin with the names of my parents. They are etched deeply on my rock. In large measure, they contributed to who I am. My father was a United Methodist minister. My mother was a housewife. They raised us three children in a Christian home where, above all else, we knew that we were loved. My grandmother Lee wrote her name on my rock. She began living with my parents before I was born, and she remained a member of our family until her death, and by that time, I was 23 years old. And she taught me a lot. She taught me about the love of family, taught me about trusting in God, and she taught me a lot about aging. Actually, there are family names all over my rock. There's my older brother and younger sister with whom I grew up and played and fought. There was a particular aunt in, in whose home I would occasionally stay overnight because I enjoyed being with that first cousin of mine. But even though I was young, I was aware that this aunt had gone through some great heartache 
But through it all, she was extraordinarily patient and kind and loving. A great example. Etched deeply are the names of our three children and their spouses and our seven grandchildren. And etched deepest of all is the name Marsha. Several teachers are named on my rock. There's Miss Patterson, my piano teacher in the elementary school. And I would say she was from the old school. She was stern, she was demanding. She received my respect, but not my love. There are public school teachers all over my rock. And I remember them with great gratitude, instilling in me a lifelong love for learning. Miss Hamilton, Miss Tompkins, and the list goes on. In my early years, some preachers wrote their names on my rock. Of course, there was that of my father, whom I have mentioned, but there were other ministers, ones who were often guests in our home overnight or for several days, bishops, district superintendents, evangelists, missionaries, other pastors. Many of them made an impression on me, perhaps the ones with the greatest impression were Bryce Herbert and Will Rogers. Then during my college days, the name of Porter Anderson Jr. became firmly etched on my rock. While at Walford, I did a month-long internship with Porter. And when he preached, he excited my mind as well as my heart. And in him, I saw piety and social action uniquely combined. By that time, I was headed to seminary for ministerial training, and Porter was one of my role models. The names of people in churches where I grew up are inscribed on my rock. There was Leon Matthews at St. John's Church in Batesburg. He went out of his way to encourage me when I was in high school and encouraged me to be in the choir. Similarly, Paul Bridges, a member of Francis Asbury Church on East North Street in Greenville, sent me an incredibly encouraging letter at a time when I was a discouraged uh, first-year seminarian. After I became a pastor, members in churches that I served wrote their names on my rock. And as you can imagine, there are many, many, many. People like Carolyn Clamp and Doug Chapman and Barry Warner and Holbrook Platts. And I could go on and on. Let me add that on my inscription rock, there are names of many people whom I have never met. I know them only through their writings. The most significant one for me from the 20th century was Leslie D. Weatherhead. He's had a profound influence not only on my beliefs and understanding of Christianity, but also on my feelings of being a follower of Christ. But I also have to go back farther than the 20th century. I must go back, as most of us will, to the biblical writers. They have left a special mark on me. And it's hard to pick any particular ones, but if I had to, in the Old Testament, it would be Amos. And in the New Testament, it would be Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. It seems like I've listed a lot of names already, but there are many more. There are friends, there are Sunday school teachers, there are national figures and international figures. 
When I think about it, it's amazing how rich my life has been. An astounding number of people have passed through my life and made an impact. And the number of new people keep coming. People like you. And I'm extremely grateful. Before leaving this image of Inscription Rock, there's one very significant matter, I think, for us Christians. I've mentioned some of the people who have passed through my life, but let me reverse it. I wonder about the lives I have passed through and you have passed through. Where has your name and my name been written? In whose lives? When they read that name on their own private inscription rock, what do they remember? How does it make them feel? Let me close by returning to the scripture passage I read earlier. Paul and Silas had been jailed for their preaching of Jesus and healing a slave woman whose owner did not want her healed. And even though they had received a harsh beating, the two of them spent their hours in jail praying and singing hymns. In writing about it later, the author of Acts added the following intriguing words there in verse 25. And the prisoners were listening to them. Of all the things that could have been written, isn't that a curious statement? While Paul and Silas were singing and praying, there was an audience. And the prisoners were listening to them. Somebody's listening to you and listening to me. Somebody's watching what we do. We will have an impact on others. The question is, what kind of impact will it be? May it be a good one. Let us pray. Gracious God, you have called us to follow Christ, to follow his way. Help us to do that, to respond faithfully. Help us to love others as we love ourselves. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let us now stand and sing hymn 398.
Yes, Jesus calls us, calls us to his way of living, but we're not without help. God has promised to bless us and to sustain us. So let us go in that knowledge. Amen. Thank you.